Hello, and welcome to the Sensilab Creative AI Podcast, episode 17. My name is John McCormack, I'm the director of Sensilab, and joining me at the console today, physicist, PhD researcher, mirror expert, and Kai author, Nina Ratchet. <laughs> hey, Nina. Thank you very much. Hey, How are you? I'm great. And back again, the computational creativity fly in the salad of creative AI. Ooh. That's a Paul Bowles reference. <laughs> Professor Simon Colton. Welcome, Simon. Uh, great to be here. Always good to be flying the yeah, ointment. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, spider in the salad. Uh, is that Australian? No, no, it's Paul Bowles. You uh, look, look him up online. He's a famous poet. Uh, Thought I'd try and raise the intellectual bar in the introduction. <laughs> Sorry for too already high, lowering After we, you were the George Costanza of the Seinfeld <laughs> last time. So yeah. I thought, Do you prepare these? These are great. <laughs> no, no, they're just all spontaneous. Oh, wow, wow. No, I've actually thought about this one for years. <laughs> You just needed the right f- spider yeah, to exactly. come along. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're counting down now till uh, Boris Johnson takes over, but oh. also <laughs> to the end of 2019. And it's been a big year for AI in 2019. So this is going to be our last podcast for 2019. And we'll take a hiatus over the summer, maybe. I don't know. And we'll try and come back next year. Mm-hmm. Anyway, before we talk about next year, we wanted to review the year in terms of creative AI and AI in general and talk about the highs and lows. So there's been lots of controversies this year, been lots of interesting algorithms released or models being released, lots of breakthroughs. Nina, what was your highlight of 2019? Well, easy answer. Yeah. The release of GPT-2. It kind of transformed the research that I was doing. It's just at the very perfect moment that I needed it to come out, it came out. Yep. made my job way easier. But also I think it's a huge kind of, a huge leap in the creative applications that now we can use using it. So, so we did talk a little bit about GPT-2 last year, but we were, uh, sorry, last episode, but we were more talking about the problems with the latest model that's been released. Yeah. But maybe we didn't give it all the credit that it deserves as being quite, quite an interesting source of new poetic creativity, would you say? Yeah, I yeah. guess it's just made the process of, training your own you know poetry generator or whatever kind of generator it's just made that process so much easier and more straightforward like i don't actually have to teach a network to speak english anymore it's just mm. it knows english according to the internet mm. so i just do like the fine tuning and i think it's makes it's made, made it everything a lot better but also the output is a lot more coherent mm. um, we're seeing the results of people taking this technology and using it creatively now yeah. um obviously your work with the mirror ritual mm-hmm. um but i don't know whether any have you I've followed the developments of AI game Dungeon or AI Dungeon. I did see that. Sorry. Yeah, 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 I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I a, didn't actually use it, but was it good? I haven't used it either. Um, oh. Partly because it cost them so much to run it, um, ten thousand dollars a day. They were saying. Oh, so you didn't use it because you don't really cost them money. Uh, and yeah, I thought I'd let other people have fun, um, and you know, uh. I had other priorities. So, um, so sorry, it costs them ten thousand dollars. Yeah, to run it on be, like because it's been so popular, they're running it on a server, and it's obviously uh, compute intensive. Um, yeah, and they've calculated that it's crippling them, and the university is <gasps> stepping up. But they've I didn't um, know that. yeah, ten thousand a day. That's what they're saying, and uh. the university is okay with that for now, but it's going to have to. Stop. Wow, I thought I don't know what was costing us a lot of five dollars <laughs> a month, but that's um, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole, next, that's a whole that's new ball level. game. Which university do you know? 
I don't actually know. I oh. follow it all on Twitter, which is kind of yeah. university free these days. Yeah, you, there yeah. are affiliations if you can go searching for them, but it's, it's in Twitter land. Um, in America, I know that. Um, but, yeah, right. um, it may be in California. Yeah, and I think there's there's way more applications than just, you know, straight up, let's do some Shakespeare. Let's create some Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. And there's it's a lot of cool... Because there's know, enough Shakespeare already. Yeah. 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 So uh, I'm excited and I think it's only going to get better next year. Yeah. yeah. And, you can, and you can just imagine um, all the, the cool projects coming up. AI Dungeon um, is a dungeon crawling game where you're interacting with the GPT-2 software. And how he's managed to harness that, I don't know. I haven't Wait, really so it's like dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons? A, a bit like that, yeah. It's, um, and what does the GPT-2 do? It answers your questions, like gpt D. It's been a long week. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, you can ask it to do anything, and apparently you, you can game it, you can trick it, and uh, you know you can get it to go off world, and suddenly you're in space. And really, mm. it's it, I, it feels less like a game and more like an uh, entertainment experience. Um, but it's in that lovely land in between art installation and video game and chatbot. So how did they do it? Awesome. Did they, was it custom training on I, I wish I knew role played um, adventure games or ah uh, yeah that that's likely I I'm waving my hand yeah, yeah I, I, I that's usual we're really up to the <laughs> speed with the I latest I should have read it I really should have read it yeah I mean, it's just cool work. yeah that's probably the motto of 2019 <laughs> for us I've just put it out there as one of the first creative um, usages of it um, I'm, I'm looking forward to yeah. kind of chatbot versus chatbot tests you know get one to chat to another and see how long it takes how long to it takes get before they become racist yeah, bigots uh, or banal <laughs> more likely because they don't have any context that's eventually oh, yeah, yeah. they mm. do need a stimulus to, to go in um, yeah. to be sent and I, I've seen that in the visual arts. People early days, I mean, ten years ago, got two iMacs, one looking at each other and vice versa, and both using machine vision to change the artwork that they're generating. That was quite a famous piece. Mm. And now that will be possible in the in the language world. Should be very cool. Who's going to do it though? That's the question. Well, you heard it first here. <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown down. So, mm. am I correct in saying that you're excited for uh, <laughs> AI text generation in the future? Uh, yeah, you, you you sit next to John for long <laughs> enough, uh, and you, you, some of it rubs off. And mm. uh, I, I still don't know what it means to me philosophically, but um, there is it is at a whole new level. I've I've sat through 25 years of very bad text generation mm. and very bad music generation and everything else, and it really is deep in the sense of had a person written it you'd expect that person to be quite a smart person but it isn't so i'm grappling with it philosophically but as yeah. a tool to play around with yeah um, i right. i can't wait for cut down versions generative um, models in general to be available for mobiles um, because that's what i'm developing at the moment and the one model i've got in there at the moment has revolutionized my person i've only done that in the last three weeks or three or four weeks since i've been here and it's really it's going to pervade my whole app this uh, machine vision model so that's resonant yeah, yeah. Um, and i'm using it in a very bad text generative way to say hey look that looks a bit like a pineapple or is that you know an yeah, acoustic yeah. guitar and that, that's really bad old style natural language generation what can i do with gpt2 in there yeah, except you, it's a billion nodes isn't it so it's not going to get into a mobile phone anytime oh, soon yeah no definitely have you seen that guy on twitter who's also doing a similar thing with like his abstract artworks like i think you retweeted it and i saw yeah they posted some new ones recently yeah yeah i don't remember his name someone white paul white oliver white <laughs> I do follow him, and I've been in touch yes. with him, and he follows me back. And that's, you, you know, don't John. know his name. We're Twitter buddies. 
Uh, I don't know people with names who I work with on a day-to-day basis. So it's, yeah. But um, I'm yeah, I'm going to be tweeting about my own contribution to this, and I'm going to be citing his work. It's been an inspiration. Nice. Yeah, I really love like the, actually visually what he's creating as well. His latest project was for the Cannabis Society of America. Have you followed that? And they asked him to do some um, abstract art representing yeah. cannabis as seen by the vision system. Um, so Aww. he's generated this, and um, he prints things out onto these lovely materials, real yeah. kind of classic. And he printed this onto 100% hemp. Um, which I thought was a really Perfect. nice touch. Yeah, yeah. That's, actually, touch. that's a bit of AI art that I actually like. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's great work. One of the few. Uh, mm. And he's written a paper. I tweeted about the paper. Um, so there, are, there's not many technical details in there. It's not. No, but he is an yeah. academic doing AI research nice. um, on the overlap with with art, just like us. Awesome. Great. So Simon, what was what's your 2019 moment? It is a, a somber moment. Um, so yeah. I don't want to bring down the the mood really. Oh, but already. Uh, see the, your highs. This is your highs. Yeah, I kind of thought about that. <laughs> All those. I've been on a massive low with AI <laughs> recently. Uh. I, I, for the first year, and this is not my highlight, but um, I've been kind yeah. of embarrassed to be in AI. A year ago at this time, I was kind of embarrassed to be in AI because of the utter nonsense which is out there on the internet being spouted by mm-hmm. everyone. Um, and, but in the last year, I've been kind of proud to be back in it and reclaiming it. Okay. Uh, but uh, it, it shows you the dangers of, of AI, um, which is my moment of the year was when Lisa Dole, the Go player, oh. chose to announce in no uncertain terms that he's retiring because of this AI system out there that he'll never beat. And uh, I'm being very selfish, but that was a moment of validation for me because I've not only spoken in public about this, I've actually written a couple of times, a couple of chapters yeah. for books um, about this, um, that I don't think that DeepMind or anyone or Lisa Dahl knew what it would be like to lose to an AI system like AlphaGo because it's like losing to a brick wall, which is only getting higher every day. That's what I put in my well-retweeted tweet. Um, <laughs> and... It's not like losing to another person. If you lose to another person, you're on the same level. You can go away. Maybe you have a, you've had a bad day and they've had a brilliant day. You can go away. You can retrain. You can kind of Rocky Bilbao style or Balboa. Balboa. Okay, okay that shows my Bilbao. lack of... Oh, okay, that's the last time I try and bring popular culture <laughs> to these podcasts. Um, but, you know, you can really train your ass off and, and come back and, and win. Um, yeah. Maybe look at it. You're not, he's never going to beat AlphaGo. And, of course, AlphaGo Zero was retrained and it beat AlphaGo 100 nil. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not Poor a brick AlphaGo. wall. It's an entire... Game over. Yeah, exactly. I feel bad for AlphaGo. Um, so any kind of lingering hope that he had um, is just blown out of the window now. And I, this is not a win for AI. This is a, this is a bad thing. We shouldn't be in these competitions anyway. Um, it's really not a sensible way to show progress in AI. We should be... Well, be so, much- but, but do you think you would... Would you advocate a ban on AI ever trying to play a human at anything and better them? No. Um, I think it, they should have played as long as, as, long as Lisa Dole um, agreed to it. Um, because it, it does show a milestone and the, the benefits mm. of inspiring the next generation of AI researchers. This is inspiring work, no doubt about it. And it does help you to get funding, in this case, I presume, from the parent company, Google, um, and for us from universities to have these these events. But it was just handled in, in, in a particularly bad way. Mm. So I'm not massively... I, 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 my other research group, I they everyone does um, automatic game playing, and, and a lot of that is trying to beat your opponent in, in board games. So I don't have a problem with it uh, in that respect. I just think there are better things we should be doing with our times, like inventing new board games um, rather than trying to beat people at the same old ones. I don't think anyone did any psychological evaluation of Lisa Dole when, when the game happened. 
And I asked that of the of the guys at DeepMind. And what, they what said, did they say? Well, they said, well, he's a pro. He's lost before. And it's, you know, perfectly reasonable to think that. And then I said, yeah, but it isn't the same as losing to another person for the reasons I've just given. And it was also done on the world stage. This guy was and probably still is a national treasure, a real hero. And also, he has played Go 12 hours a day since the age of five to his mid-30s. It's not as if That's his world well-being mm. isn't completely wrapped up. His self-worth is completely wrapped up in That's being the world's best Go player. I don't know how much I agree with this whole opinion you have. <laughs> uh, about <laughs> it being a bad thing? Well, yeah, I just feel like it's really... I just I feel like the way he he perceived it and the way he took it is kind of tied up with like his ego is tied up with having to be the best go player and like I don't I just don't see it as like something that would actually be you know AI's fault or Google's fault DeepMind's fault for beating him at go and then causing him to feel this way or to resign or to be really depressed all of a sudden like I just think that just is a reflection more on the way he the, the life he's built in Simon's defense and the rare occasion yeah. that I will defend Simon <laughs> Often you get obsessed about doing something. So like musicians are very much like virtuoso musicians. Sometimes, you know, there's there's lots of, there's, sometimes there's pressure from parents, but often kids, are, you know, they start from a very young age, they play the violin or the piano and they show a lot of promise. So they're encouraged to do it more and more and more. And it ends up basically dominating their life. So it could be music, musicianship, it could be sports, I mean, a sports person, yeah. it could be any of those things, but you, you dedicate your life to it. And the reason why you dedicate it is to become the best you want to you want to be you know amongst the best in the world that's a very human drive to do that and i guess i do sympathize with the point to know that you've hit a wall in the sense that you can never beat this thing that's beaten you and so everything you've done in your life up until that point has been a waste of time because a machine some engineers have built a machine that can play the violin better than you that can run faster than you that can play go better than you it's pretty demoralizing See, uh, the abstract nature of Go and the fact that this guy, Lisa Doe, was born in a time when Go was very badly played by computers, they, they add to the kind of triple whammy. You said play the violin better than you, but I, I think the, the human emotion that you put into it, and, and there's, there's, I've made this point previously on this podcast, that humanity is a, is a big deal in things like the arts. I don't think we're ever going to get better violin playing, um, even physical robots. I don't hold that view in principle. In <laughs> principle, it should be possible for a machine to play the violin better than the best human. It depends on how you define better. Um, if you mix in humanity into that, and I think people absolutely do this, mm. you, if you want to think that that person is playing from the heart and that kind of needs a human to do it. It's playing from the machine-conditioned heart. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, technically, a, a MIDI system can play a violin faster if it's just about producing the sound waves and a robot presumably could catch up with that physically. Um, but no, I think lots of, in, in the arts, lots of the quality quality assessments is wrapped up in being human. So I, I don't worry about you know, a famous painter resigning because there's, you know, a piece of AI software which is more popular or better than it because it, there isn't such a thing. But I, but Go is a particularly cerebral thing. Lisa Dole was born in a time when it was admired amongst human intellect. Off on a tangent, um, back in the 16th and 17th <laughs> centuries, so-called... That is a tangent. I know. But, well, the so-called geniuses. You know, you were called a genius if you were very good at arithmetic. And these people used to tour Europe with their parents, oh, yeah. and they're often children, um, and, and show off. They could multiply together three seven-digit numbers and get it correct. And obviously the pocket calculator came along and turned their genius into 
absolutely run-of-the-mill, not even intelligence, I mean, algorithmic. So that that has completely pulled the rug from under Lucy Doll. And, I mean, I was happy to kind of let this lie um, until the guy retired and said, you know, not like I want to spend more time with my family or I think uh. I've achieved all of my goals. No, it's because of the AI system out there being this big um, big. It's a one. bit dramatic. Yeah, it's a little bit dramatic. Yeah, but then he was also dramatic after the event clearly if you listen to what he said on there's a wikipedia page about this he was clearly had the weight of humanity on his shoulders he felt like it was a loss like he was mm. of humanity that's a big right. that's a big draw to say the weight of humanity on your shoulders I, and, that's, and that's my projection he didn't say that that's my oh, projection well, okay. um, but reading between <laughs> the lines um as i am wont to do mm. uh it, it did feel like he felt I, the pressure of this i just feel like it's like he is versing the collective like human intelligence that has created this ai system trained it and also like has the technology to actually have this existing, but he's more like obsessed about his own, like him being like the best, like his identity being the best go player rather than a kind of more broad perspective about like, this is an amazing thing that humanity has done. So I don't see how that's like the AI side versus human side. Well, I just think it's a strange perspective to have. I, I ask myself what the world has benefited from, from having AlphaGo and AlphaGo Zero in it. Now, separating from that, the fact that this drove forward general machine learning research and that's and deep are doing amazing things and they've done more worthwhile things like the protein structure prediction challenge that notwithstanding actually putting on the million dollar event doing it in front of the world's press beating the guy 4-1 thrashing him i don't see how that benefited society and when demis osavis gave a talk about this and i was at this talk um he said the world has run out of go boards so it has massively popularized go but then that's because you know of the exposure not because of the ai system yeah well, look, i wouldn't say that it's a great thing that you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying either way. I just think blaming it on AI or like the development of AI research on the way he's reacted to it is crazy. And I just, I just don't, I don't really agree with his like worldview about being the best at. Okay, I don't know. if you were in his position, but that is his genuine. I wouldn't dedicate my entire reason. life to just like a game that I want to be the best at. Because there's, sure. there's so much more to life. Well, yeah, that's that's your choice, <laughs> yeah. and that's a good choice, I think. But. You know, he didn't make that choice. Yeah. So. I think it's sad. I think it's kind of sad that he's well, but, but probably for a long time he made he made a, a very decent living out of playing yes. Go, right? So yeah. with you he's, know, he's famous. I don't really yeah. feel that bad for him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't think we're gonna we're gonna come to consensus on this one, but yeah. I I, I do I, I have agree. written about this too, and I do I do agree mm. that I think it is I think there's so much more that AI is capable of, and just thinking about beating the best human yeah. is mm. a very narrow view and, and probably a bit of a folly i agree yeah good consensus yeah yeah, yeah. so john yeah what was your so biggest john moment? yeah <laughs> what was your greatest mo- well so i was thinking about this and i think one of the things even though we bag a lot of gan art i think actually no i'm not going to say i like gan art because no. i don't and <laughs> i've still not seen any new gan art that's coming out even on twitter this morning that uh <laughs> changed my mind what came out this morning? I'm not going to name the person, but they were posting on Twitter some more. Oh, very well known, very yes, well known yeah, yeah, yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. I also um, scrolled past that. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen two today, which you know made me want to vomit. Yeah, they were really bad. Oh, come on, guys! <laughs> two different people, <laughs> two different. There is just. Projects. I don't think "gan" and "art" are two words that should go together. <laughs> but, uh, but having said that, I do think having seen some works that use AI in them in very different ways, mm-hmm. I think they do hold a lot of promise. And I think the sort of art, when people bring an artistic maturity to 
the idea of using AI in a way that's more provocative rather than just, oh, look, we've got this neural network that can make stuff look like a whole mashup of mm-hmm. um, Renaissance art or a whole lot of architectural structures or uh, people's faces or that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just images made by a computer. It just doesn't... Yeah, there's, there's no concept behind it, There's right? no concept behind yeah. it. Whereas other works that I've... You know, they've started to appear this year, and I think maybe people have become a little bit more. You know, they've schooled up a lot on what AI really is and what it's not, and so they're able to make a better judgment about the artistic merits, mm. even if some of those artistic merits are delivered through technology. So, I do think there was there was a glimmer of glimmer of hope. I know, you know, this year we really bagged the AI more than human exhibition. Yeah. Well, we didn't bag it really. It was um, Jonathan <laughs> Jones bagged it, but that again, that was no surprise. And you know, that's just, I bagged it. I you really bagged it too. Simon bagged it. So there you go. It's consensus they've, again. They've got a picture of the Terminator. In the exhibition Did you catalog. go? No, um, for childcare reasons, Blank oh. and my wife got to go because oh. it's her field too, mm. uh, and I had to um, look after the baby. We were both in London at the right time, but we screwed up. Mm. Uh. Well, the train. So it's, it is kind of ironic that we're all bagging the show that none yeah. of us have actually yeah. I've, seen. I've but poured through the exhibition catalogue and, oh, yes. and spoke oh. to my wife yeah. at length about this. I've, uh, I've, I'm familiar with many of the works. Yeah, exactly. I know like two thirds of the artists in I've, there. I've personally. been in shows with them too. So yeah. Okay, so, right. so we've got good. some some <laughs> um, good, yeah. tiny modicum of credibility there. But <laughs> you know, so that, and that show's just opened again in the Netherlands. I think is it mm. the Netherlands? Really. It's, it's yeah, touring. so it's touring. It's, it's been extremely popular with the public. But uh, you know, I think that kind of missed the mark. Really, and I think historically it might be seen again as one of these, you know, not a seminal show in the sense that it was heralding a new kind of age for art that involved AI, but more that it was it was more about the spectacle of AI yeah. mm. um, and the and the hype surrounding it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, there's now starting to appear works where I think it's because the technology is becoming slightly more democratized, so it's yeah. much more accessible. People can download, like as you said, Nina, you can you don't have to teach a neural network basic English, you can teach it more advanced concepts because it's already learnt yeah. English and you can download that that model. And I think also the works that have sort of struck out me this year that I've really enjoyed have often been physical. They've had some physical presence rather than just being screen-based image generation mm-hmm. kind of things. They've yeah. had, they have a physical presence. They involve interaction with a person. The use of AI involves a lot more subtlety rather than just kind of look at me, I've downloaded this software and I've trained a neural net to, to do this. So do you have a particular example in well, mind? I could only look no further than your own work now. <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to, to, Thanks, John. <laughs> uh, to, no, no, I'm very sincere about this. I think, you know, the, the works that are using these technologies in a way that aren't just sort of about the sort of spectacle of AI, but are actually trying to use them in a way that's provocative or, th- you know, that's thought-provoking, that's looking deeper and using the technology more as a tool rather than it's not this is not necessarily a work about AI it's Mm. a work that uses AI to convey a more nuanced or deeper concept than just Mm, AI yeah that's 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 it like not being about AI yes super important yeah I it's it's neurips right now Um, it is neurips right now I have my annual fear of missing out FOMO um (laughs) wave of nausea uh and Nvidia just released a paper yesterday. I think it was all over Twitter. They've they've upped the ante with their face generation, um, and uh, it's almost pixel perfect now. One twenty one thousand twenty four by one thousand twenty four. Mm. And I was looking at these new faces, and I was kind of heartbroken that these people don't. They're not people. That this collection of images isn't a represent of pixels isn't a representation of a person. And I'm, I'm I'm looking at it thinking, why am I upset that? 
whatever I'm looking at isn't a person. I'm not um, in a in a place to exploit that artistically, but I really do think that this kind of at least with the visual imagery, especially with faces, because we are so mm. hardwired to to read into people's faces. And I used to joke, I used to have one of them on, on slides and say, look at that guy, you know, he, he obviously exists. He's, going, he's smiling, but he's going through his third divorce uh, as a joke. But now I'm thinking, when I go and look at people's Twitter pictures, because I occasionally go and see what these people look like, I'm thinking... Is that them? Uh, because it oh, could no. absolutely... I mean, of course they could put any old photo of a real person in there, but now they can put in a photo that they've generated. doesn't exist. Well, um, lots of people have done that for nefarious purposes. Yeah, um, mm. but now they don't have to offend anybody by using somebody else's actual photo. They can just generate mm. one and have a f- picture of themselves up there. Mm. I mean, it's great for anonymization, I guess, um, and worrying from the fake news perspective but i think artistically that's going to be picked up that we're tricking our mind into we are we've all been saturated with visual imagery the photograph you know there's mm. a million taken every second um and we've grown up absolutely thinking that a photo of a face represented a moment in time when that person was in that situation and now a photograph of a face is just a cleverly arranged collection of pixels there's some cool art to be done with that. I, I look forward to people Interesting playing idea. with our minds with that kind of philosophical approach. Wow. So has there been anything else at Neurips that's caught your attention? I, was it as popular as it was in previous years? Did it sell out in a few minutes? Oh, yeah. It did? Yeah, absolutely. I, I it's like a big hiring stats. fair, really, isn't it? That's the main purpose of Yeah, Europe's. there's a lot of that. I mean, people have whole <laughs> rows. I was there a couple of years ago. They have whole rows of desks with just application forms on yeah. them. <laughs> a few stats. One which really caught my eye with 1,025 people at the Women in Machine Learning workshop. Up I, from one. <laughs> one like five years ago, yeah, yeah. sadly. And also, what was it, a third of the people uh, at the black in machine learning were denied visas, um, which is, you know, this is Canada, which is not not like the precipice we have in the UK with immigration or the US. Um, How many did you say, one third? I think it was was a large proportion of third. I saw um, someone posted some pictures that said this poster, the author was denied a visa or denied access to Canada to present the poster, which is very sad. It's very sad, and it, it's it, it's recurring so often now mm. in not just in Neurowebs, but in a lot of academic conferences where a whole groups of people are banned from entering a country and can't mm. contribute, which mm. is incredibly oh, devastating. Yeah. The same for, people doing the banning are all wringing their hands about biases in data, exactly. And yeah, the <laughs> evils of AI. Yeah. Then mm. it's not diversive enough. Di- yeah, yeah, yeah. Diverse yeah. Enough. Well, you, the first point in making it diverse is to allow people from diverse yeah, backgrounds to come and talk about it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, so New Rips. Yeah, but I don't um, think the Creativity Workshop's been on yet. Um, or the, oh, that's the art the show? Art show, yeah. I don't that you know. love? <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully you love the, the quality. art show, Simon? No. No? My <laughs> first wave of nausea came from the, the art show. Um, um, hi to Luba, if you're listening. Yeah, hi, Luba. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I mean, I don't think she was involved in the actual art exhibition. It was the first inaugural one. Uh, have I not told us? And one you've, of the winners... you told us. <laughs> I have. Okay. I don't know if you've told our podcast, podcast yeah, yeah. so they're going to hear well, it. Well, you know, it's not up to me to slag off a particular artwork, but I'm, I'm going to. Um, <laughs> one of the three winners of the inaugural art exhibition prize at... Uh, it was NIPS back then, near Ips now. Yep. Changed for very strategic purposes. Yes, yep. obviously. Uh, they, they had used 
style transfer and it was you know clear they'd gone onto an online system a web page they'd uploaded a picture of a woman and they've uploaded a picture of a circuit board and they'd taken the output and printed <laughs> it out and that was their artwork i mean it's already nasty because it's circuit boards and computing and yeah that's a bit tight but the woman they'd chosen was the um the classic machine vision porn star model who's got a feather boa. So Elena. Very, uh, that's right, Lena. And so it was Lena looking a bit like a digital circuit board. Uh, and it must have taken all of 10 minutes to think <laughs> it up and ex- execute it and then send mm. it in. And of all JPEG. the images that you could have chosen, uh, choosing that one was yeah, it's, really important. It's, it's yeah, very divisive in, in our field. And we yeah. thought we'd moved well, on there's from a big, that. There's a, actually a big movement on at the moment for people to sign up to exclude her from the any image processing training okay, sets. Well, I don't know what what is this. I don't so know this. it goes so in the history of image mm-hmm. processing there's a set of standard images that people used to test their algorithms on and I again because I don't have the internet in front of me but I Simon you do you can look it up. There was some well, Lena, L-E-N-A. Yeah, some guy at maybe Bell Labs or at a university and this is in maybe the 60s uh, was a big fan of Playboy. And she was the centerfold in Playboy. Yep, that's her. I'm showing it. Yeah, she was the centerfold in Playboy, and he scanned the centerfold and used that as one of the training images, and it stuck as being because, of course, it was largely men working on image processing at that time, and of course, they all were. Oh, this is a really funny joke, you know. And of course, they argued that because she's wearing like a feather. She's got a feather, a feather boa. boa. Yeah, that's yeah. fine detail for edge detection. detection. Yeah, yeah, that was their excuse. <laughs> <laughs> um, for doing it, and it stuck around for decades. So it became. Uh, There's another one. that was a mandrel, a uh, gibbon, right? Uh, that had brightly coloured face. I forget what the other ones were. Those are the two that yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, they're classics. And and if they complain that we're treating them unfairly, um, I've had an experience this week with ResNet, the other machine vision system. I realised that I'm using it to look at abstract art and, and see things in, it, and it's very good at that. And so I thought, well, what things can it see? And I looked at the thousand categories, because it's not easy to get that out of the model. And I'm scrolling through it, and there are 300 animals. And I'm like, okay, wow, so my abstract art has to look like an animal for this to work. And then I realised that there are like 50 dogs and 22 terrier dogs in there. (laughs) And realised that for my purposes, it's not really all that useful. And why on earth Apple are allowing people to download this training set because they, they really want you to use machine vision so they've made it really easy to implement it mm. um, and there you are with your trained resonant on the competition version and of course it was for the competition so the 22 different types of the same species of dog really is difficult for machine vision to, to differentiate so but it's absolutely useless for a, a standard machine vision application so I went through them all painstakingly um, for the open house that we had mm-hmm. um, so that the software could say um, rather than can you see a broccoli it would say, can you see some broccoli? I went to that level of detail, guys, um, because I didn't have time to put in some actual okay. natural language processing. Yep. And the whole way through, only one body part is is represented in there. And Nina, do you reckon you can... Because I know that John I know knows. What it, I know what it uh, is. And no, that would be quite useful, yeah. No, it's nipple. So this is the machine <laughs> vision, guys. No, the way you said that. There are so 22 funny. different types of terrier and nothing else. Nipple. To d- uh, uh, nipple. And you kind of think there's no excuse for that, guys. Is there really? That's the only body part. That's the only body part in the whole of the ResNet 1000. I mean, there's a bigger re- uh, image net out there. Um, it, it's 
depressing. So there, there was, I mean, there was another big event in 2019. There was that, um, was it a paper or it's certainly a website that came out that was mm. a, a detailed critique of ResNet and the source of the imagery and the labelling. I think that's another big big thing about this year is this is the year that everyone really started paying attention to issues about bias, mm-hmm. about the ill effects of AI. And so now you're seeing a whole series of reports and standards starting to come out about how these can be addressed. And you're seeing lots of groups offering alternative machine vision systems that are trained on more ethnically diverse faces, for example. Yeah. So, you know, I think mm. I actually do feel a little bit more positive. I think these things yeah. are actually permeating into the research community quite strongly yeah. and people are a lot more aware of them now. So mm. there is there is sort of a, a, a reason to be somewhat optimistic about how AI might develop in the future if as long as people are vigilant and that uh, the people developing these models keep them open and respond to the criticisms, there is a sense that, okay, they can be made a lot better than yeah. some of the mistakes that people have made in the last couple of years. So that's your prediction for 2020? Yes, and so moving on to our mm-hmm. predictions for 2020, I, I am a little bit more optimistic about, because uh, I know often in this podcast we get into really, the, really we always end on a low yeah. we think, oh, you know, and I, but I think <laughs> and, uh, you know, because last, last night I went to a, a talk about automated decision making and there were lots of, you know, there was lots of discussion about, well, all these machines are now being put in charge of things and they're making decisions on humanity's behalf and shouldn't we be more vigilant and things but mm-hmm. you know, there was a good point raised by Anne Nicholson from our faculty and she said that, well, a lot of the research that she does is more about supporting decisions rather than making decisions. So empowering people to make a decision with more information at hand that's relevant to them so that they can make the decision rather than leaving all the decisions to the machine. Mm. And I think that's a really good point that if mm. we think about things in that way, that you know, AI can support human decision-making, but it doesn't necessarily want to take over human decision-making. That's a bit of a no-brainer, really. Sure. Yeah. I, I was at the same talk. Um, I, I bunked off early, but and, and what, I was a little bit confused because it seemed to be uh, Algorithm Watch was the, um, the yes, NGO. Yes, Algorithm Watch that... Look, so, uh, yeah, it's out there. Yeah, I know. I didn't want to get into it, so I didn't ask a question, but um, it felt like just kind of general ranting about computers, and I, I worried about them. I know it's a lot more <laughs> well-meaning than that, but one of the examples they gave was people committing suicide at Facebook moderation centres yep. in the yeah. Philippines, yep. and that felt to me like you don't want less automation there, you want more automation. If you had a 100% accurate machine system which could tell you when something dodgy was being put on Facebook and take it down, people wouldn't have to see this. Um, so, it, it, mm, But would you ever trust such a system? I, if, you, if you ramped it up, and yes, it, there's many false negatives where it's, you know, perfectly benign stuff is being withheld. And everyone gets really, really upset about that, of course. Like, I put a picture of my four-year-old... Well, uh, nipples is a big thing because well, yeah. there's Instagram. Yeah. You know, there was that whole campaign about... Yeah, so that's, that's perhaps why, yeah. why ResNet can actually be of value <laughs> yeah. to yeah. check out Instagram uh, that nipples. That makes so much sense I bet now. that's their excuse they give. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that actually yeah, makes rubbish. sense, yeah. And but it's uh, also censorship as well. Yeah, that's that's a problem. But um, you have to ask yourself, what's the what's the bigger evil here? Is it a you know a, a small number of very vociferous people being stopped putting on worthwhile stuff, or is it people committing suicide because they have to see you know endless you know horrors, the dregs of humanity? Yeah, amplified. 
um, worldwide. And it, it shouldn't, I, mean, I don't think they were advocating for this last night, but uh, it, it shouldn't slow down progress. It shouldn't stop it. It just needs to be used in more responsible ways and, and be a bit more careful with that. Well, I think everyone agrees it needs to be used more responsibly. But it is, I mean, it's a very difficult thing, isn't it? Because Facebook and Twitter and all these big social media giants are processing billions and billions of posts. So it's almost impossible for. Yeah. Uh, even a large group of humans to see them and censor them all. So the people in the Philippines only get sent the ones that the machine learning stuff can't oh. work out. I yeah. think we have talked That'll about be a this. Massive filter. Yeah, what they're getting exposed to is kind of worse than being tortured in some ways because mm. they're just seeing not just from a lo- one single community. You know, in a, in a single community, you might have one bad apple, but you're looking at all the bad apples the all over the world, world for rotten. the whole world. Yeah, yeah, and so you form this opinion about humanity that's is probably largely misjudged because you're just looking at the worst of the worst all the time. Mm. Yeah. So I think that's something that they really need to address because you're right. You can't have a situation. And it's also, you know, it's incredibly poor of them to choose a country like the Philippines to relegate that level of Mm. scrutiny to, largely because of the cost of the labour there, I think, is is the reason why they're doing it. But the question is, well, all right, you could address that issue by moving it to the the US, to Europe, to wherever, but you're still going to be exposing people To this, to this stuff. So, but there might be better support systems for them there. I don't. I don't want to say anything about Philippines. I don't know, but yeah. you, you can imagine. It's hard being, for us to speculate. Yeah, when, you know, we're not really that familiar with no. it. But <laughs> we, we have taken a darker turn. Yeah, I thought you were trying. Sorry, to, yeah, no, I, yeah, I started positive. Yeah. It was I know, you who raised the. Yeah, I am a little bit more positive at the end of the year than I was. I think in the beginning of the year about people actually addressing a lot of the criticisms of AI. Yeah. I do think. I, I still think there's a big problem with I think face recognition is going to come up again and again in next year as being something that actually individuals and societies are going to start trying to reject mm, at, yeah. blanketly. And I think that's probably good. And I was just reading a really interesting report from the, I posted it around internally in the lab today from the AI Now Institute. They've done a big report about the state of AI and all of the things that, you know, addressing a lot of the issues, many Mm. of which we've been talking about. And one of them they talk about um, is effect, looking Mm. machines detecting effect and, you know, having worked with Nina and looked at this stuff a lot, we know that, of course, these very simple models of emotion and effect are completely wrong. Like they're based on phony science. They don't (laughs) don't really make sense. And yet they're being used to, in some of these automated decision-making systems, they're being used to target advertising, all sorts of things. And they're they're going to become increasingly used. And so one of the big recommendations of this report was that they should not be used at all. They say just stop. Yeah, yeah, they said just stop. That's great. Yeah, Mm. which I think is really good. Yeah, when I've I've only read that one sentence that you put on Slack. (laughs) That was the take home. Yeah, it felt a bit black and white. Maybe there could be a more nuanced uh, usage because it is recognised something these affect and they're not no but it's not it doesn't transfer culturally so it's again there's an example of bias there. yeah but it yeah. can do things like um tell also, whether you're paying attention I, back at imperial when i used to affect, there, that's just kind of like uh, gaze detection right yeah, yeah but um the same technology for for detecting affect was being used in this one project that i know that my pantage was involved with yeah. um it was using emotion detection to tell whether you were staying awake and she had a project with a car company um so it's not a, a blanket kind of don't use this felt that, a bit i think they were like specifically ref- they were specifically referring to affect so i, I yeah so guys no, this was affect just just record that okay. it was emotion that detection is um, i mean i think affect isn't really the not problem. using a normal way affect isn't really the problem it's emotion like mm. af- that that case would be affect like how sleepy or kind of awake you are but i think emotion is the bigger people kind of think that it's all just based off the you know paul ekman's basic emotions 
um, exacerbates the problem of what the, the science around emotion. People kind of assume that this is actually legitimate if we implement it in ML models, right? Mm. They, they people just kind of like learn this other oh, six emotions. I think that's the biggest problem. But affect yeah. isn't affect. I'm kind of like on the fence with. But I think when you're actually trying to say like this is someone's emotional state, mm. that's problematic. Yeah, I mean we we do tend to take results from the other sciences as face value because we can't do Ekman's research again. So we kind of yeah. think, well, if that's been published in these top journals and this guy's a professor at wherever, um, then, you know, we can just take that, turn it into a computer model and suddenly it's okay. And we don't challenge the, uh, <laughs> the underlying science when we should. Right, yeah. Can I have a shout out for, because uh, <laughs> I forgot to bring this up in the moments of the year, very off topic. Um, the... The standout video game of the year was Untitled Goose Game. Did anybody? What's know this that? got to do with creative AI? <laughs> only, only because I wanted to say that. Um, did you know that was made here in Melbourne? Untitled, uh, me Untitled Goose, Goose Game. game. Yeah. Um, Wait, what is it? Oh, it's a game set in the English countryside where you have to <laughs> control a game. And I thought, it, you know, it, it's been a real standout breakout game for so this. It's a this game company. made in Australia set in the English in countryside. Yeah, in Melbourne. That, that was what I, it made me feel yeah. proud to be a, a Melbourne has a lot Melbourneian. of very, very good game <laughs> I know, development. I know. Small uh, indie game development. Yeah, and I, I only found out it's a few days ago and I thought I'll mention that on the podcast because, yeah. you know, it's a, proud to be Melbourneian for a bit. All right, wow. moving on. <laughs> Uh, so, Sam, what's your prediction for 2020? A, a couple, um, and more upbeat. I think we're going to see some dedicated hardware to machine learning. Um, oh, yeah, no-brainer. No-brainer, yeah. yeah. Um, TPUs. Yeah, and that's going to, you know, bring, come down in price and increase in power, and, you know, machine learning will advance less through software than hardware. That's been a, a constant. And I think that we're going to get an extra 1% or 2% in mobile devices by on-device learning. Apple have made this possible now um you 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 download a neural network um, and as the user interacts with the app the network is all data about that is is stored at the moment as far as i can tell it gets updated as the person sleeps as the the phone is sleeping too um so your model in the morning will be slightly more personalized to you and i have a feeling that'll be an extra one or two percent in the in the value of certain these apps to be more personalized um it, it, it could be freaky um that it's kind of watching you and learning to be better and handled in the wrong way it could be bad mm. but i have a feeling that that is going to really roll out machine learning the, the training side of machine learning to the the whole world at the moment it's a very small proportion of society who can actually train a neural model it'll yeah. it'll be happening on our devices the whole time now and notwithstanding the fact that that will cost a lot more energy, and I brought this up previously and mm -hmm. tweeted about it, mm. um, I think that will be an exciting tool for app developers. And being an app developer, I can't <laughs> In the first place, I reckon it'll be for marketing. This app is learning to be mm. better with every move you make. It's been using video games for Doesn't years. sound so promising. Um, no. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that will be a, you know, a nice move, and we'll see more training on device rather than just deployment of models. Nice. Mm. I'd like to see that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. All right, Nina, it's your turn. Mm. 2020. Yeah, so I think also kind of positive. I think, and I hope, that kind of some of the AI hype around, which is the AI hype and that tied into people misunderstanding what AI is capable of or what AI is, you know, a, the danger of AI. I hope that that will die down just through like more accessibility and just like more education. And I really mean like a more broad population than just people who are directly involved with it. Who are listening to this podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Or three of you. <laughs> Hello. Thousand. Yeah, yeah, maybe with this podcast we're actually helping with that. But a lot of people Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people I meet still just kind of uh, giving me that like, Oh AI, oh that's so you know, they're really excited about it, but they 
don't they really they're kind of like they're what they're reading is just the most like you know basic dumbed down version of like mm. how to, how it's presented basically it's just but it's I, not accurate that, that's always been true for sci- the sciences in general like whenever you read anything about science or any any complicated yeah. topic even it's politics it's the same it's always there's this thing there's an assumed assumption that people are just dumb yeah and of course you know that might be true based on your experience but i think it's it, it impacts negatively in the long term if you don't treat people as though not that necessarily that they know a lot about everything but at least that they're intelligent enough to try and find out about it yeah. you end up with these really high level kind of shock and awe statements about yeah stuff you know AI is going to take all the jobs AI is going to ruin the world AI is going to do that I think that once people just the average person starts using AI more and sees what it's used for and then actually is interacting with it like in real time and engaging with it they'll have to be disappointed yeah exactly (laughs) and then they won't be so afraid anymore and then all of that kind of like you know my little small business is using AI to make the you know whatever all of that will just kind of like slowly die out and AI will just kind of be a normal part of life (laughs) and not something that's like a marketing tool hopefully yeah my favorite one of those was an, a startup company selling mattresses that you sleep on in the UK mm. uh, and they were absolutely pitching themselves as a cutting edge AI technology yeah. firm uh, developing all this logistics AI and you're thinking you just sell mattresses <laughs> get a guy in the back <laughs> of a van and deliver them and so I, I'm hoping on, on this topic for a resurgence it's hope I don't, it's not a prediction a resurgence of the AI expert being used in the, like, reporting ex- the news I, I used to oh, avidly yeah. read AI articles, uh, you know, online on in newspapers and everything, and I'd always scroll down to see who they'd interviewed, and I might know them. And now I don't bother scrolling down because it will be the journalist who's written about it, because <laughs> he or she will be an absolute expert on AI. And at best, they'll have interviewed some chief financial officer. It's normally like chief financial <laughs> yeah, officer yeah. Uh, for this tech company, and they're they're making these stock market predictions about it. And to do my homework know all of 10 minutes of it for this podcast <laughs> i did look at some ai predictions and you can't find the predictions by the people who are actually developing the technology oh yeah they're all predictions for the how it's going to impact commerce and yeah and, yeah uh, and it's well. all technical businesses jargon and it's yeah. just depressing it is know? really depressing mm. oh yeah get ai out of small business <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. what I well get, get it out of all business but that's yeah. impossible because uh, of i mean that, the reason why you get those people commenting on that is because it is such a big money mm business now it's mm. a huge oh it's, uh, it's venture capital exactly so I, I had yeah. a, a spinner and we did i did meet with one venture capitalist and he asked me what my ai moat was i was prepared for this because i had, what I is had that? an ai moat you know a moat in in architectural terms is a big <laughs> yeah like around a yeah. castle river around yes, a castle to stop people from marauding so yeah. you go into stealth mode um and then you build your moat or you you dig your moat you pour in crazy amounts of technology you get lots of patents um, and then that means that any marauding bigger tech firm like google they look at you and think it'll be expensive for us to build that technology let's just buy that company so venture capitalists are only interested even if you're just selling mattresses in whether you can actually build this cutting edge get some patents um, right. And then you will be bought by Google, which will make the venture capitalists rich, rather than um, overridden by Google, right. um, because they can. Google could do it, but six months of you know ten Google engineers is probably a lot more expensive than just buying that company, and getting their patents. Yeah. And mm. so that, and so you've got even these startups, you know, doing very run of the mill things. Got to be AI companies if they want to get venture capital, because that's where the big money is. Right. Wow. I think that's one thing that struck me this year and a lot of the discussions that we've had 
is because we talk about AI as being the sort of source of a lot of these problems, but I don't think it actually, I mean, it's always a human behind that. Mm. And a lot of it is driven by market capitalism, by the capitalist model of neoliberalism. And, uh, you know, we're starting to see big cracks happening in that now because, we, you know, we're seeing this huge dichotomy between rich and poor that's expanding. We've got just had the election in the UK last night. It's not looking good for... For, for the country. For the country, <laughs> according to Simon. Uh, you know, we've got Trump up for re-election in 2020. Yeah. Did you hear today, just to interject, that Trump, uh, there's, there's talk of him going for a third term based on the injustices of what he's suffered in there. So he's going to make a case to Congress <laughs> that he should be able to go for a third term, like Ruth, not Roosevelt. Uh, How old would he be by then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two, well, no, well, he's too old now. Yeah, but, yeah, now but, yeah, anyway. He'd be in his 80s, yeah. easy, by that stage. But, you know, we, so a lot of these things are sort of driven by a system that sort of served as well. It's, you know, Silicon Valley grew from that system, but it also grew on a sort of principle of egalitarianism and free personal freedom mm. and so on. But now that seems to have come back to bite it in a way because now the tech companies are monopolies in, in specific areas. They kind of rule the world in terms of publishing. Like they're the biggest publishers on oh, yeah. the planet, even though they don't call themselves publishers. Yeah, yes. they're, they're beginning to you know, see the strains. I mean, Zuckerberg is really under fire. Um, yeah. And he kind of, I, mean, I don't know Zuckerberg, obviously, but uh, it's kind of a guy who had a good idea at university for kind of hooking up with women, seemingly, or, mm. or you know, kind of... No, that's what he built it for. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and suddenly he's in charge of the second or third biggest company in the yeah. world ever. Well, he's engineered a company that controls elections, that yeah. mines data from uh, more than half the world's population. And you kind of think, it's, it's a bit similar to... Bedroom programmers, they called in the games industry. Mm. People got into that early doors, and they, they've never been through the kind of training that you get if you go to business school, or you, as you get if you go up through a company. Going, but certainly there are lots of people who work at Facebook who have been through that training. They have, but mm. the, the man at the helm is still this kind of amateur. I mean, I know he's been through all of this, but no one just because he had the great idea at the start doesn't mean to say he's necessarily the, the right person to still be there. And you've got to respect the, the Google guys for well, they just step down. I mean, they've, down. they've not been really involved in for about five years or so. No. Um, so they, I think they realise their limitations or, or their expectations and, and have handed it over over the years. I mean, they, they appointed a CEO early on to actually run the day-to-day -day management. I think they've been more sensible about it, um, mm. about leading these huge monolithic companies. How many think, do you think will be around in 10 years' time? Facebook, do you think it'll be around in 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. Google? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Apple? Of course. Amazon? Yeah. So everything? I can't see any reason why anyone's going to be able to take them over. I mean, they, they'll, they won't go down, they will go down fighting, and that means that someone is, is beating them up. Who's that yeah. going to be? They've absolutely cornered the market in their little, in, their, in the big niches that they're in. Who's going to outdo Apple? Well, here's another reality. Elizabeth Warren gets elected. Ah, okay. She breaks up Facebook. She breaks up Google. Having just seen Boris Johnson elected, um, I can't see... Yeah, it's fantasy. Elizabeth. <laughs> Wait, did, yeah. he actually, did he actually get elected? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, it's already happened. The turkeys of Great Britain have voted to shoot themselves <laughs> yet again. Um, it's done. It's done, yeah. It's well, over. no, the exit polls are very clear. Um, the and polls, and the right results right. are coming in. There's been 50 or so called. That's why I, I got the beard out. <laughs> it, Simon's uh, going to drown his sorrows for the next couple of days. Oh no. The Labour Party looking to have performed worse than ever since 1945. That's how bad wow. the whitewash of the of the Tory Party has been. Mm. And so I'm not that upbeat about Elizabeth Warren getting in it. Anybody right. but Trump would be a good start. Um, yeah. But 
Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they're, they're, and it, but she's absolutely on the public stage saying these tech companies have to be split up and mm, sanctioned. Mm. Um, and so, you know, and she's a big public figure. She's a good candidate for the election. But there was also this, that story about Mark Zuckerberg meeting in secret uh, or saying to his employees that she thought she was bad for bad for America. And, yeah. And, well, yeah. because she's bad for Facebook. I mean, yeah, well, of course. Same thing if you're Mark Zuckerberg yeah. or Donald Trump. All right. Well, we've covered... A lot that's not to do with creative AI, <laughs> even though this is supposed to be a creative AI podcast. It was podcast. a good overview, though. I, mean, good... I think we're branching out <laughs> yeah. Yeah. to a lot of different areas. This year, creative AI, next year, the world. You yeah. know, we're yeah. all fine. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll become the number one politics podcast. <laughs> Why not? It always ends that way, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> the, it, history will record that tonight's vote about Boris Johnson probably has the most effect on AI um, because of Brexit being now forced through and, and research funding being cut to the UK. Yeah. Mm. And the, politics absolutely does oh, play totally. a huge part in research. Yeah. Yeah. You even have ministers over here in, in Australia. We even have ministers over here in Australia yes. vetoing projects personally and not telling anyone about it. This is. Yeah. You know, no, no, that's been changed now. I know, it, but it, it did happen. Yeah. yeah, it did happen. Yeah. All right, on that depressing note. <laughs> Always. <laughs> we've, we've, we've finished up. No one has any other comments about I, I just want to say Happy New Year, guys. Yeah. And, and oh, thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Have, yeah. a, have a good time. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, yeah, as we say, say in the US. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So if you if you have listened to any of our podcasts over the last year, we've done 17, which I think wow. is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we started off being pretty amateur and we yeah. finished off pretty much the same. But <laughs> but more fun. But more fun. Yeah. We hope you've enjoyed listening to them. I hope you have a nice break over your summer or winter, depending on which hemisphere you're in. And we might be back next year. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.